Ashley Brock, reading Diana Palmer's book, Rogue Stallion, Chapter 7. The restaurant was crowded and heads turned from all directions when Jessica, in a neat-fitted burgundy dress with her hair loose around her shoulders, walked in with McCollum, who was wearing slacks and a sports coat. I told you people would notice that we're together, she said under her breath as they were seated. I didn't mind the last time and i don't mind now he murmurs one do you she smiled back not at all the waitress brought menus poured water into the glasses and went away to give them time to decide what to do why miss lawson jessica looked up bess one of her case workers and a good looking young man who worked in the bank had paused by their table hello bess jessica smiling how are you fine don't you look nice hi mr Mer Hi, McCullough, she added, letting her blue eyes sweep over him in pure flirtation. You look nice, too. Thanks. Bess? Bess, the waitress, is gesturing to us. The young man prompted. He was giving McCollum a nervous look. Probably it was the fact that McCollum was in law enforcement that disturbed him. Lawmen were set apart from the rest of the world Jessica had discovered over the years, but it could have been the way Bess was looking at the older man. Jessica had to admit that McCollum was sensuous and handsome enough to fit any woman's dream. Compared to him, Bess's date seemed very young, and he was undoubtedly jealous. Oh, sure, Steve. Good to see you both, she said, reasonably leading him away. <laughs> she thinks you're a hunk, Jessica said without thinking. Then bit her lip. His <laughs> arbor So now he knew who made the comment. She laid it at her cabin. She's very young, of course. And she added mysteriously. No, she isn't, he countered. In fact, she's only a year younger than you. Nice figure, too. Jessica fought down an unfilled familiar twins of jealousy. She fumbled with her silverware. Nobody disturbed her like McCollum did. He reached across the table, caught her hand in his, and then thrills of pleasure up in her arm that made her heart. I didn't mean it like that, Jesse. If I was interested in your coworker, why would I spend half my time thinking about you? She smiled at him, turned off balance by the look in his dark eyes. Do you? She asked, her hands slipped and almost overturned her water glass. He righted it quickly, smiled patiently at her clumsiness. It wasn't like her to do such things. Hold tight, and I'll protect you from unturned things, he said, clasping her forefinger. We'll muddle through together in my own way. I've got as many hang-ups and inhibitions as you have, but if we try, we can sort it out. Sort what out? She echoed curiously. You think I make a habit of taking women out? I'm 35 years old, and since I've been back here, I've lived like a hermit. I'm hungry for a woman. This time, the glass went over. He called the waitress, who managed to clear away the water with no effort at all. She followed indulgently and embarrassed Jessica, who was abjectly apologetic. Took their order and left across the restaurant. Bess was giggling. Jessica looked at Sterling McCollum and knew in the moment that she loved him. She always knew that she could never marry him. He might not realize it now, but he wanted children one day. He was the sort of man who needed children to love and take care of. You make a good husband, of course. Marriage was obviously the last thing on his mind at the moment. Good God, woman. He muttered, shaking his head with indulgent amusement. Will you just let me finish a sentence before you react like that? I don't have plans to ravish you, okay? Now move that glass aside before we have another mishap. I'm sorry. I'm just all thumbs. 
and I gave Boone my foot in my mouth. He said what I was going to say was a great water glass blood. He had it with a grin at a flush. Was it this time I start going out more? I like you. We'll give it low key. She looked at the big lean hand holding her so gently. Riggers moved over the back of it, tracing, sa tracing, savoring his strength and masculinity. I like your hands, she said absently. They're very sensitive for such masculine ones. She thought about how they might feel on her bare, soft skin, and her lips parted as she exhaled with an unexpected force. His thumbs, his thumb eased into the damp palm of her hand, began to caress it, making her heart race hold Doors are beautiful, he said, and the memory of how her hands fell on his chest was still in his gaze when he looked up. She was holding her breath. She looked into his eyes, and neither of them smiled. It was like lightning striking. She could see what he was thinking. It was all there in his dark gaze, the need and hunger and the added passion he felt. Um, excuse me. They both looked up blankly at the waitress, smiling wildly, waiting for the new hands so she could put the plates down. Sorry, Sterling mumbled. The waitress, the waitress did say would, but her expression spoke volumes. I think we're becoming obvious. He remarked to Jessica as he picked up his fork, trying to look, to look around at the interesting glances they were getting from Bess and Steve. Yes, she sounded pain even more, Jessie. Hmm? Look, I'm dying. Frustrated passion here. He fast. Could you? She burst out laughing, ripped attention, and got them through the rest of the meal. But once he paid the check and they went out to the parking lot and got into the Bronco, he didn't take her straight home. He drove a little way past the cabin and pulled down a long, dark trail into the woods, locked his door, unfastened his seatbelt, and then reached across her wordlessly to lock her own door and release her seatbelt as well. His eyes in the darkness held a faint glitter. She could feel the quick, harsh rush of his breath on her forehead. She didn't protest. Her arms reached around his neck as he pulled her across his lap. When his mouth lowered, hers was ready, waiting. They melted together, so hungry for each other that nothing else seemed to matter. She never experienced kissing that weren't kisses that weren't completely in themselves. He made her want more, much more. Every soft stroke of his hand against her back was arousing, even through the layers of fabric. The brush of his lips on hers didn't satisfy. It taunted and teased. He nipped at the outside curves of her mouth and brief little touches that made her heart run wild. She clung to him, hoping that he might deepen the kiss on his own account, but he seemed to be waiting. She reached up, finally driven to the outskirts of desperation by the teasing that went on and on until she was taunt as drawn rope with unsatisfied need. Please, she whispered brokenly, trying to pull his head down. It isn't enough, is it? He asked calmly. I hope it might not be. Open your mouth, Jessica. He whispered against her lips as he shifted her even closer to his broad mouth. And I'll show you just how hungry a kiss can make you feel. It was devastating. She felt her breath become suspended like her mind as her lips fitted themselves to hers and began to move in slow, teasing touches that quickly grew harder and rougher and deeper. By the time his tongue proded at her lips, they opened eagerly for her. When his tongue went deep into her mouth, she arched up against him and groaned out loud. Her response kindled a growing hunger in him. It had been a long time for him, and the helpless, twisting motions of her breast against him made him want to rip open her dress, take them in his hands, 
in his mouth. Without thinking of consequences, he made her open her mouth even further under the crush of his, and his lean hand dropped to her bodice, teasing her breast through the cloth until he felt the nipples become hard. Only then did he smooth the firm warmth of one and began to caress it with his fingertips. When he caught the nipple deliberately in his thumb and forefinger, she cried out. He lifted his head to see why, as he suspected, it wasn't out of fear or pain. She lay there, just watching him as he caressed her. He increased the gentle pressure of his fingers, and she gasped as she looked into his eyes. A slow flush spread over her high cheekbones in the dimly lit interior. He didn't say a word. He simply sat there, holding her and looking down into her shadowed eyes. It was hard to breathe. Her body was soft in his arms, and that pretty burgundy dress had Burton's down the front. His eyes went past the hand that now lay possessively on her breast, and he calculated how easy it would be to open the buttons and bare her breast to his hungry mouth, but she was trembling and his body was getting quickly out of control. Because, besides that, it was too soon for that sort of intimacy. He had to give her time to get used to the idea where he tried to further their relationship. It was important not to frighten her so that she back, that she backed away from him. He moved his hand up and pushed her disheveled hair was on. Sorry, he murmured. I guess I let it go a little too far. <laughs> it was my fault, too. You're, you're very potent, she said after a minute. Feeling the swelling of her mouth from his hard kisses, the tingling of her breasts where his hand had toyed with it. She still couldn't imagine that she'd really let him do that, but oddly, she didn't feel embarrassed about it. It seemed somehow proper for McCallum to touch her like that, as if she belonged to him already. He grinned at her. You're potent yourself. And that being the case, I think it... I'd better get you home. She fingered his collar. Okay. Her hand straight down his tie. Top button. <laughs> no. He said gently standing. I like having you touch me there too much. He murmured dryly. Let's not tempt fate. Fate twice in one night. She was a little disappointed. Even though she knew he was right. It was too soon. But her eyes mirrored more than one emotion. He watched those expressions chase across her face. His eyes tender. <laughs> Full of how did you get under my skin? He wondered absently. She glanced at Have I? Right down to the bone. When I wasn't looking. I don't know if I like it. He studied her for a long time. Trust comes hard to me. Don't ever lie to me, Jessica. So I can't forgive anything. I can forgive anything except that I've been sold out once too often in the past. The scars go deep, and they came from painful lessons. I can't bear lies. She thought about being barren. I wondered if this would be the right time to tell him, but it wasn't a lie, was it? It was a secret. Once she would get around to it, if it ever been necessary to tell him. Right now, they were just dating. Just friends. She was overreacting. Okay. I promise that I'll never deliberately lie to you. That got her around the definite hurdle of her condition. She wasn't lying. She just wasn't confessing. It was middle ground and not really dishonest. Of course, it wasn't. Looked over hand and started the vehicle, turning on the lights. He glanced sideways at her as he pulled the Bronco out to the road and drove back to her cabin. She might be afraid, but there was desire in her as well. She wanted him. He had to keep that in mind and not give up hope. He stopped at her front. I want to take you out from time to time. He said, from her. we can go out to eat as my budget allows. He had a movement into movies, and I'd like to take you fishing and deer tracking with me this fall. Oh, I enjoy that. She looked surprised and delighted. The radiance of her face made her so stunning that he lost his train of thought for a moment. Just don't go shopping for wedding bands and putting announcements in the local paper. He said firmly, held up a hand when she started 
Flash through the protest. There's no use arguing about it. My mind's made up. I do know that you make wonderful homemade bread, and that's the point in your favor. But you mustn't rush me. Right, right. Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. She said, in the spirit of it. I never try to rush me into marriage. Joe, okay. Now you stick to that. I don't like most people, but I like you. I like you, too. In between hero worship and me. He had it outrageously. She looked them over with one. Can I help it if you're the stuff dreams are made up? <laughs> Pull the other one. I'll see you tomorrow. That reminds me. There's a young man in juvenile detention that I'd like you to talk to for me, she said. He's on a rocky path. Maybe you can turn him around. He rolled his eyes up. Well, not again. <laughs> you know, you don't mind. I'll phone you from the office tomorrow. All right. You watch the girl. Get out of there. Lock your doors. <laughs> this concern made a tingle. She grinned at him over her I always do. Thanks for supper. I enjoyed it. So did I. She wanted to, but she didn't look back as she unlocked the door. She was inside before she heard him drive off. She was sure that her feet didn't touch the floor for the rest of the night, and her dreams were sweet. In the days and weeks that followed, Jessica and McCollum saw a lot of one another. He kissed her, but it was always absently, tenderly. Drawn back from the intensity of the kisses they shared the first night, he took her out. Now they talked about things. They discovered much that they had in common, and life took on a new beauty for Jessica. Just when she thought things couldn't get any better, she walked into the hip-hop cafe and came face-to-face -face with a nightmare. Sam Jackson. The sandy-haired man turned and looked at her with cold, contemptuous eyes. He was the brother of the man who attacked her and who had later been killed. He was shorter and stockier, but the heavy facial features and smile eyes were much the same. Hello, Jessica Larson, he said, blocking her past as she was trapped between the wall and him. I was passing through, and I thought I might look you up while I was in town. I wanted to see how my brother's murderer was getting along. She clutched a purse in her hands that trembled. She knew her face was white. Her eyes were huge. As she looked at him Tara. He had been the mo most vocal person in court during the trial, making remarks about her and, in and to her that so her. I didn't kill your brother. It wasn't my fault. She says, if you hadn't gone out there and meddling, it never would have happened. He accused his voice like his eyes were full of pain. You killed him, all right. He died in a car wreck, she reminded him with as much poise as she committed. It was not my fault then that he attacked me. She carefully kept her voice down so that she wouldn't be over her. He went out there alone, knowing he'd be on his own, because you tried to get his wife to leave him. A woman who goes to a man's house by herself when he's alone is asking for it. I didn't know that he was alone. You wanted him, that's why he convinced his wife to leave him. The man's attitude hadn't changed. It only intensified. He'd been unable from the beginning to believe his brother could have beaten not only his wife, but his little girl as well. To keep from accepting the truth, he blamed it all on Jessica. His brother had been the most repulsive human being she'd ever known. She looked at him like, that's not true, she corrected. And you know it. You won't admit it, but you know that your brother was on drugs, and you know what he did because of it. You also know that I had nothing to do with his death. Like hell you didn't, he said with him. You had him arrested. That damn trial destroyed my family, humiliated us beyond belief. Then he just walked away. You walked off and forgot the tragedy you caused. Her old body clenched at the remembering name. I felt for all of you, she argued. I didn't want to hurt you. Nothing I did was strictly on my own behalf. I wanted to help his daughter. Your niece. Didn't any of you think about her? He couldn't speak for me. He never meant to hurt her. He said so. Anyway, she's all right. Kids get over things. 
Your eyes look straight Indian. No, they don't get over things like that. Even I never got over what your brother did to me. I paid and I'm still paying. Woman like you are trash, he says grumpily. Before I'm through, everyone around here is going to know it. What do you mean? I mean, I'm going to stick around for a few days, let people know just what sort of social worker they've got here. Maybe during the last few years, some of them have forgotten. If you try to start trouble with me, you what? He has one. Sue me for defamation of character? Go ahead. Took everything we had in legal fees. Defend my brother. I don't have any money. Sue me. You can't get blood out of rock. She tried to breathe normally, but then... How is Clarice? She asked me to me, the daughter of the man who assaulted her so many years ago. She's in college, said, working her way through it. Is she all right? I guess we hear about we hear about her through my mutual cousin. She and her mother were washing their hands of us years ago. Jessica didn't say another word. She'd been planning to eat, but her appetite was gone. Excuse me, I have to get back to work, she said. Turned around and left the cafe. She hardly felt anything all the way to her office. She honestly thought the past was dead. Now here it was, staring her in the face. She'd done nothing wrong, but it seemed that she was doomed to pay over and over again for a crime that had been committed against her, not by her. It was a cruel wind that had blown Sam Jackson in the town, she thought bitterly. But if he was only passing through, perhaps he wouldn't stay long. Stick close to the office for a couple of days, she decided, and not make a target of herself. But that was easier said than done. Apparently Sam had found out where her office was because he passed by it three times that day. The next morning when Jessica went into work, it was to find him sitting in the Hit Hop Cafe where she usually had coffee. She went on to the office and asked Bess if she'd mind bringing her her coffee when she went across the town. Who is that fat man, Bess? Bess asked when she came in. Does he really know you? Jessica Did he ask about me? Oh no, Bess said carelessly. She put a plastic cup on coffee in front of us. He didn't say anything to me, but he was talking to some other people about you. She hesitated wonder if she should continue. Some people? Jessica Sterling McCollum was one of them. She, a caseworker added slowly. Jessica didn't have to ask if what the man had said was degrading. It was obvious from the expression on her face that went. He said his brother died because of you, Bess counter-wrote. Now you let him on and that you threw him over after you got his wife out of the way. Jessica said down there, I see. So my femme fatale. Nobody who knows you would believe such a thing, Jessica. He was a client, wasn't he? Or rather his brother was. Honest to God, Jessica, I knew there had to be some reason why you always insist that Candy and Brenda go out on cases together instead of alone. His brother was the reason, wasn't he? Jessica nodded. That isn't how he's telling it. New people in the community might believe him, though. She added, try not to remember that several old-timers still believe that Jessica had been running after the man, too. Tell them to get lost, the other woman said. We're threatened to have them arrested for slander. I'll bet McCullen will do it for you. After all, you two are looking cozy these days. We're just friends, Jessica said with well, nothing more. And Sterling might believe him. He's been away from Whitehome for a long time, and he doesn't really know me very well. She didn't add that McCollum had such bad experiences in the past that it might be all too easy for him to believe what Sam Jackson was telling him. She was afraid of the damage that might be done to their fragile relationship. Don't worry, Bess was saying. McCollum will give him his walking papers. You think so? Just took us over about it. We better get to work. She half expected McCollum to come storming into the office demanding explanations, but he didn't. Nothing was said at all, but by him or by anyone else, life went on as usual, and by the end of the day, she relaxed. 
Joe reacted to Sam's presence in Whitehorn. It would be all right. He was probably on his way out of town even now. McCollum was drinking a beer. He hardly ever had anything, even slightly alcoholic. His mother had taught him well what alcohol could do. Therefore, he was always on guard against overindulgence. That being the case, it was only one beer. He was off duty and not on call. Before he met the newcomer in the cafe that morning, he might have taken Jessica to a movie. Now he felt sick inside. She never told him the things he learned from Sam Jackson. Jessica was a pretty woman when she dressed up. She'd been entering at the social service office. Sam Jackson had told him when she'd gone out to see his brother Fred, Fred's wife had become jealous of the way Jessica was out there all the time, and she left him. Jessica teased and flirted with him, and then when things got out of hand and the poor man was maddened with passion, she yelled raped and had him arrested. The man had hardly touched her. He'd gone to jail for attempted rape, got out on parole six months later, and was killed in a horrible car accident. His wife and child had been lost to him. He was disgraced, and it was all Jessica's fault. Everybody believed her wild lies. Sam Jackson was no fly-but-night con man. He'd been a respected councilman in Whitehorn for many years and was still known locally. McCollum had asked another old-timer who verified that Jessica had Jackson's brother arrested for sexual assault. That had been a closed hearing, very hushed up, and a bit of gossip was all that managed to escape the tight-lipped chair. Judd Hensley and the attorneys and the judge in the case. But people knew it was Jessica who had been involved in the rumors of flown for weeks, even after Fred Jackson's family left town and he was set to jail for attempted rape. The old man had shaken his head as he recalled the incident. Women always said no when they meant yes, he assured McCollum, and several people thought that Jessica had only gotten what she asked for, going out to a man's house alone. Women had to go darn much freedom, that old-timer said. If they'd never gotten the vote, life would have been better all around. McCollum didn't hear the sexman in the remark. He was too outraged over what he learned about Jessica. So that shy, retrieving pose was just that, an act. She played him for an absolute fool. No woman could be trusted. Hadn't he learned from his mother how treacherous they could be? His mother had smiled so sweetly when people came infrequently to the house. She lied with a straight face when a neighbor had asked questions about all the yelling, smashing glass the night before. Nothing had happened except that she dropped the vase, she insisted. She cried out because it startled her. Actually, she'd been ravaging mad from too much alcohol and had been chasing her son around the house with an empty gin bottle. That was the night she broke in his arm. She managed to convince the local doctor, the elderly practitioner who preceded Jessica's father, that he slipped and fallen on a rain-wet porch. She tried to coax him to set it and say nothing out of loyalty to the family, but certainly not told. His mother had heard him. She lied deliberately about their home life. She pretended to love him until she drank, and then she was like another person, a brutal and unfeeling one who only wanted to hurt him. He never trusted another woman since, until Jessica. She was the only exception. He'd grown close to her during their meetings, and he wanted her in everywhere the, every way there was. He vowed her, her friendship her company, but she lied to him, by omission. She hadn't told him the truth about her past. There was one other truth. Sam Jackson had imparted to him, and even worse, in the case of the trial, it had come out that the doctor who had examined Jessica had found a blockage in her fallopian tubes that would make it difficult, if not impossible, for her to get pregnant. She knew that Sterling was interested in her, that he would probably want children, yet she made sure that she never told him that one terrific terrible fact about herself she could not give him a child yet she never stopped going out with him and she knew that he was growing involved with her it was a lie by omission but still a lie it was the one thing he confessed himself that he could never forget he was only grateful that he found her out in time before he made an utter fool of himself
End of questions. Chapter 7.